Yeah, let's run the out of the ball, baby. They're wrestling, so are we. Punch them in the mouth. Raise your glasses to kicking everybody's ass. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Circle City Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sam Sinclair, and as always, is with me uh, is Elrod. And today, we it's been a while since we've done some Colts content for you guys. The uh, NFL Draft Combine is right around the corner. It is next weekend, actually, as we're recording this. Um, the the uh, uh, Combine and all that stuff will start on next Thursday or next Friday, I want to say. It's a uh, prime time event now. Starts, I think it starts about 4 o'clock all the way up all night. So I think more people will be able to watch it. I think that's actually – really great idea by the NFL, but um, what Jake and I are going to do for the next 40 to 50 minutes or so, we're just going to go over some prospects that are going to be at the Combine this year, uh, some Colts that, or some prospects that the Colts should look at and guys we're going to be watching. We're not going to go through every position, but we're going to go through the more important positions of need for the Colts. Uh, we'll go over some guys at quarterback, receiver, tight end. We'll also go over some offensive tackles. Um, since we don't have any news on Anthony Costanzo, and me and Jake both think that even if Anthony Sanzo returns and we resign him, that's a that's a position you're going to have to uh, put some draft capital into. And then we're also going to go into uh, defensive linemen, more interior defensive players um, to finish up the show. So, um, Jake, let's just get right into it for the most important position on this list. Um, we're looking at the quarterback positions. One guy, three, one guy we have on here, everyone that. Colts fans want at the 13th overall pick guy out of Utah State and Jordan Love. And I think a lot of us are questioning, you know, his decision-making and everything like that. But uh, what's something you're looking forward to with Jordan Love uh, at the Combine this year? I think with everybody, it's just how accurate is he going to look? I mean, there's just a lot of talks about is he inconsistent? Is he able to hit his targets uh, with regularity and and that's the one thing I'm going to be looking at I mean mechanically we've talked about it on the show he's really good already um, his arm strength is obviously very good he has a beautiful deep ball touch all those things but I'm, I'm going to be looking at his his accuracy at the combine and also obviously at his, his pro day if he has one um, that's that's really the only thing for me that that I'm curious about is you know now that he's going to be playing with more polished talented receivers um, at at the combine, is he going to be able to hit those guys consistently? And we saw that at the uh, at the Senior Bowl too. Uh, the first day or so, he wasn't looking as great, but you know the Friday and Saturday or the Friday practice, he got a little bit better. Uh, then in the Senior Bowl game, he played. I thought he played fairly well as long as Justin Herbert. But uh, another the other two guys we have on the quarterback list is Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason, and we've we've mentioned it plenty of times that we're big fans of Jacob Eason and. We think if he's there at 34, that's the guy we should take. But um, I know we were kind of going back and forth between our list, and I think including Jake Fromm into this list is pretty um, it's pretty important, at least because you know you texted me someone tweeting about Jake Fromm, and I joked with you, I was like, where's this Jake Fromm hive coming from recently? <laughs> like it's just popping up out of nowhere, and um, I think it'll be very interesting to see. I know a lot of there's a lot of questions with Jake Fromm and his arm his arm strength. Uh, I know there's a little bit more to be desired there, but I'll be very interested to see uh, how he looks in the uh, in the throwing drills uh, at the combine. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things I'm interested to see with Fromm. Number one, how does his footwork look? 
He's a little bit shaky on his lower body movement. Um, so I'm interested to see how he looks in that aspect. Obviously, the arm strength. You know, there's starting to be a debate of is his arm strong enough to be able to succeed in the league? That's my biggest hang up with him. Um, I've I've said very publicly, I just when I watch his tape, you see the ball noticeably die when he tries to make long throws in the middle of the field, which shows a, a real problem with arm strength. So I'm interested to see if he can make those types of throws. And then another aspect that's kind of connected to this is what's his hand size? I know that's not something that's talked a lot about with NFL quarterbacks, but I've heard that his hands are smaller than average, which obviously would not be ideal and would just be another knock against him. So you don't want a quarterback with noticeably small hands. You don't hear that a lot because a lot of quarterbacks have adequately sized hands, but I've read it on a couple different things when I, when I read about him that he has small hands. So I'll be interested to see what that measurement is also um, because I mean, again, you know, he's, he's a guy that mentally checks all the, all the boxes. He's a guy that leadership wise checks all the boxes. And, and outside stuff. of Joe Burrow, really, he's probably the most pro rated quarterback out of this whole class, out of this whole class coming out this year. Yeah. I mean, if he can, if he can pass those sides of it, if he can, if he can show better arm strength than we maybe saw in college, if he can show a couple things, then yeah, I, I think, I mean, and I've said, I think the Colts will be high on him because of what they talk about with accuracy and leadership. I think he's a guy that has those things. And especially when you, the leadership one's interesting to me, because when you talk about guys like Jordan Love and Jacob Eason, neither one of those guys who who are going to be kind of you know, realistic looks for us are, are known as, you know, these high quality leaders that have started in pressure pack situations that have guided teams to, you know, 11 win seasons in the playoffs like Jake Fromm has. Obviously, they haven't been on the same types of teams, but it doesn't change the fact that he's been in those environments, been in those situations. And I think that's going to pique Chris Ballard and Frank Reich's interest. And, you know, I was reading an article about him a couple months ago. Unfortunately, I didn't save it. I'll, I'll try to find it again later. But there was literally a line where an AFC executive said that mentally he's like Andrew Luck. And that really said something to me. I was really just kind of like, wow, that's that's really high praise because we know what Andrew Luck can do, you know, in terms of between the ears, in terms of guiding an offense and leading an offense. So obviously he checks all those boxes. Great kid, all that stuff. I, I hope that I'm wrong about him, but that those are just things that I've seen that make me not high on him. So I'm interested to see if he can kind of overcome those issues that have plagued him in terms of his reputation um, over the weekend in the combine. Well, I'll ask you this real fast. Let's say his hand size is about normal. And I, I know hand size is not really a huge issue for, for, for us. Cause we're not, you know, we don't play outside and everything like that. But you know, if you go to Pittsburgh or new England, it kind of comes, becomes an issue, but Let's say his arm strength is decent or a little bit better than what we saw in college. Would you be for the Colts taking him at 34? Because I think you and me both agree. I think if we get him at 44, that's a good selection. But I don't think, you know, you and me both want the Colts selecting him at 34. No, I mean, and you know, I don't know if the if the talk on Twitter is true about him being, you know, a late first round, early second round pick. But if he, if he goes that high, I'm just, no. I just... The thing with me is the quarterback has to have some upside. And even if he has decent arm strength, you still need guys to make next level throws in the middle of the field and down the field. And I just didn't see that with him. I just saw, you know, I thought some things he did really well. Great, great touch throws on the boundary. He made really good night, uh, really good accurate passes on back shoulder throws. You know, he seemed to have a really good command of the offense. So there was things that I liked. It's just he he didn't have that next the NFL ability 
to push the ball down the field and, and his accuracy, honestly, you know, he's known for his accuracy, at least, you know, before I actually studied him, that's what I had heard about him was he had great accuracy. I honestly wasn't super impressed with his accuracy. I thought, you know, his receivers got wide open. A lot of the time he benefited from that. He benefited from a really good offensive line. And, you know, honestly, his numbers regressed this year. I know they got, had some changing pieces, uh, you know, with their offensive coordinator and things like that. But, uh, you know, I just I just didn't see anything that popped to me. And, and if you're going to draft a quarterback before the third round, then it needs to be a guy that has some sort of upside. And I just think while Fromm would come in, I think he would get the job done almost immediately. You know, we're not necessarily pushing for that right now. We have Jacoby Brissett in place to at least hold water until 2021 when one of these younger guys that have more upside are able to develop and get a little more seasoned. And that that's just my biggest hang up with Fromm. If he comes into the combine and, and throws harder than we've seen, then sure, I would be fine with it. I just don't necessarily expect it with what I've seen on tape. Yeah, I think it's just mostly the limited ceiling with Jake Fromm. It's, you know, it, what you see in him is what you're going to get. And I think that's probably what's going to keep him from being a probably late first round, early second round pick. But a guy that could possibly be a late first round, early second round pick is a guy, you know, like, I, like I said, we're really high on is Jacob Eason. And we don't have any questions about his arm strength. We know what, what kind of arm he is. But the one thing I'm going to be very worried about, and I know with all these prospects, we're not really watching the, the 40 yard dash or the three cone per se with most of these guys, but it's going to be the drills. It's going to be the it's going to be the the catching, the throwing, and all that stuff. I'm going to be very interested to see how accurate Jacob Eason is um, in the middle to short, the short to inter, intermediate routes um, when he's when he's when he's at the combine throwing um, next week. Yeah, this, I, I love Jacob Eason. I, I think that he's he's a really special type of talent. Um, obviously, he doesn't have the, the extensive college tape to be able to go and, and judge him on. But I thought as a, as a young player in Washington's system, I thought he showed better than average touch on his deep throws. I thought he, he did a nice job throwing his receivers open. I thought he did a lot of things really well outside of just the arm strength. I think, you know, there's arm strength and we talk about arm talent. He, I think he has true arm talent. But like you said, in those short to intermediate throws, sometimes he throws 150 miles an hour for no reason. He has to be able to take some throws off that because he, he could be the best thrower in the world, but in order for him to be on the Colts offense, he has to be able to strike accurately in the short to intermediate route. Um, and, and that's probably the biggest negative in terms of how he fits with us that I see consistently. It's just like, man, if he could just take some off of those throws and that's why it would be a great value pick at 34 though. I mean, because you can be able to let this guy sit and learn, but you see the intangibles are there. He made some, although he struggled under pressure, and I do think that's because of a limited starting sample, but he, he made some nice throws under pressure at times, and he just didn't really do anything that I was like, uh, I'm not really I'm not really in on this guy. I mean, he made boneheaded throws, but again, everything I see is just the fact that he was a young player. He didn't start in Georgia for very long. Then he had to sit in Washington, and he had his first year starting and some people use that against him. They say he should be more polished because he sat for a year. But I honestly feel like if you're not playing, then it is limiting your growth a little bit. So, you know, I think I think Eason only having one year, I think he's a very interesting guy. And like you said, if, if he can come to the combine and, sh and show a little bit better touch and accuracy in the short to intermediate route, I think he's going to be on the Colts radar for sure. So let's move over to the wider, wider receiver position. And some guys, like, like we say, we're not going to highlight the – the big big name guys like C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy. We're going to look at guys that are 
you know, not household names per se. So I know a guy that I know I've taken particular interest in the last couple weeks is the more I've watched him is Clemson receiver T Higgins. And, you know, the knock on him right now is his speed. He doesn't have a whole lot of speed, but for him not being the big six, five receiver, he's got one hell of a catch radius. And he, it just seems like he catches some of the most inaccurate passes all the time. And I don't know if his, if his play was per se because he played with Trevor Lawrence or if he's really that second-round talent receiver that we could possibly target um, in the draft this year. Well, I mean, the good thing is he plays at Clemson, who has a good history of producing quality wide receivers. So I think there is some merit to what you see on film there. Um, you know, they're like LSU where they're just pumping out good receivers. Uh, you know, and I mean, you know, you talk about him not being 6'5", but he's close. He's 6'4". Um, you know, quality 215 pounds, so he's not a, a light guy. He brings a, almost the exact opposite of what T.Y. Hilton brings you, which is, you know, there's not much explosiveness. Like you said, this isn't going to be a, a break-it-to-the-house type guy. But, you know, I honestly think that might play to his benefit in terms of, you know, how's he going to fit with the Colts? Because, really, they need that possession guy, the guy that can make those tough catches in traffic, be able to run good routes underneath, which he does really well. He has really nice routes um, from what I saw on film. You know, he's really good at running those slants and double moves, all those things. I, I liked what I saw in terms of that. And, you know, the thing, I mean, I guess, you know, when I watch him at the combine, I'll be interested to see, you know, how his 40 time looks and all that. But, you know, the thing is with receivers, I, I'm a big component of you, you know what you have when you watch the film. I think that the combine kind of can deceive people. If you look at DK Metcalf, you know, he fell because of his his cone times and, you know, three cone, all that stuff. And, you know, teams probably overthought it. So that I'm going to be interested to see his 40 time just for kicks. But hey, he's a guy I really like. I mean, I, I not I generally if you don't have a number one target, maybe he's not a guy you would want necessarily in that role. But I think he would be a great, great number two. And if they find him sitting there at 34, he could realistically be an option for sure. And the next receiver we have on the list, this was a guy I was really hoping we were able we would be able to get at 34. But after what he did in the college football playoff, I don't even know if he'll make it out of the first round. Receiver out of LSU, Justin Jefferson. That guy, that just seems like, like Ballard said, they need to get he, he said he needs to get receivers that he just get the ball and score touchdowns. That's all he wants. And Justin Jefferson, Jeff, Justin Jefferson just seems like that type of guy where he can just – the amount of times I saw him in the, in the college football playoff alone where he just caught the ball – made two dudes miss and scored a touchdown or got like a first down or an extra 15 yards on a catch. That guy is a playmaker waiting to happen. And I'll be very interested to see how he, how his 40 time looks. Um, I'll, I'll be very interested to see how his route running looks and everything like that. Um, but I, that's the guy I really hope that the Colts could possibly get at 34 come, come April. Yeah, he's another guy kind of in that same mold as Higgins, who's going to be a guy that you look for to make contested catches. And like you said, he may have a little bit more uh, playmaking ability than Higgins, although I don't know if he's as physical. And like you said, the catch radiance for Higgins is just ridiculous. I don't think that uh, Jefferson's necessarily in that same type of mold, but he does have a better ability to, to, like you said, be able to make a couple guys miss, get some yards after catch and things like that. So, yeah, he's definitely another guy I'm interested to watch, too. And then the last guy on our receivers list, he was at the Senior Bowl as well with Jordan Love. And if we take Jordan Love with 13, I think it's almost it's almost a given that we have to take uh, Denzel Mims, the receiver from Baylor, because I guess like you like you were saying all during the Senior Bowl that week, I guess they're going to be a package deal. 
Yeah, seemed like they they had to be. If he would have caught that long touchdown, I would have bought jerseys immediately. But yeah, Denzel Mims, I just want to see if he can replicate what he did at the Senior Bowl. I mean, honestly, that's that's all I really want to see. I think he he showed a really good package um, at the Senior Bowl. He showed a really nice combination of you know power and speed and catch and all those things. I mean, he just looked really really good. So I'm just interested to see can he back that up with with different quarterbacks and running different drills and. Uh, all those things. It's it's going to be a, a big a big combine for him because you know he's in a stacked wide receiver class and he doesn't really blow you away with anything. But I think he just does a lot of things well, and I, I just think he would be a great value pick. I, I had him really high, you know, on my on my sleeper picks in terms of who the Colts could draft. I had him number six actually, you know, on my top ten fit, uh, fits for the Colts. And and if he can come into the combine, you know, he could be a late a late second round steal for us, honestly. So let's move on to the tight end group. And one guy that we very much know that you love a lot, the uh, Notre Dame tight end, Cole Komet, one of those somewhat of a vertical threat tight ends. Yeah, Komet, Komet's a real, a real, uh, a real interesting prospect prospect for us. And and it's not just because he plays at Notre Dame. Obviously I love Notre Dame players, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I watched him play at Notre Dame and, one of the biggest things that I noticed about him is just the fact that he's such a chess piece type player, line him up in the slot or at tight end, a lot like Dallas Clark they used to do back in the day with him. He reminded me a lot of that, but he's a much bigger guy, you know, 6'5", 250. And, uh, you know, I'm interested to see how his route running looks. I'm interested to see how he looks, um, you know, in terms of his speed. I think he showed good enough game speed, um, you know, but I think sometimes like his 40 and some of those other agility drills are going to really impact where he goes because, you know, some of those guys that, that have the game speed like him, I don't know if they'll translate to the combine necessarily as well. But, you know, honestly, if he doesn't, I, I would like that because that means he would probably drop a little bit because, you know, when I watched him on tape, I just thought he was a really good route runner. I thought, you know, he has the body size to be able to to improve as a run blocker. That's not necessarily a strength of his now, but it's just it's just to get a guy that I feel like could be a Jack Doyle on steroids. I think would be a really, really nice addition to Frank Reich, who loves to utilize his tight end. So, you know, Komet's going to be a guy that you're going to have to get probably in the second round if they want to get him, which might be a little too rich for Chris Ballard's blood, considering I think this is a semi-deep uh, uh, tight end draft class. But, you know, if they want to go for a guy that could really elevate this offense and, and potentially acquire a Pro Bowl tight end, Komet would be the guy. So you don't see Komet possibly being a third-round prospect? You think the Colts would have to spend probably – pick 44 on him to get him I think so I mean again if if he if he just completely is underwhelming I mean I think a lot of these guys are really clumped together so you know an average combine could potentially drop him but you just look at his measurables I mean he's 6'5 250 and you look at him he's not a very developed player because he was a dual sport athlete in baseball as well Um, but his route running is really good for a guy that doesn't necessarily have a ton of football experience or, you know, just focusing on that as his sole sport. And I think just the upside of him, you know, when he, when he's been in for Notre Dame was really, really intriguing. And I think that's why he's going to be so high on a lot of people's list. Cause he has the size, he has speed and he has the, the strength and ability to become a really quality run blocker given some more seasoning. So I, I don't see him falling into the third round, but if he doesn't do good in Indianapolis this coming week, he could potentially fall to the third round. So the other tight end we have on this list is Harrison Bryant from Florida Atlantic, and he was another one of those senior bowl prospects. And I, I've been, I haven't really watched a whole lot of Harrison Bryant. Um, I did read a lot of 
a lot of what the pros are pro uh, the the scouts are saying about him and what I'm reading, you know, athletic traits, high football IQ, uh, the NFL comp. I don't necessarily love doing NFL comps, but the comp to him is George Kittle, and I think the George Kittle-esque tight end is what the NFL is going to, the vertical threat, second and third level pass catching option uh, type of guy that that can be – George Kittle is probably one of the better run blocking tight ends in the league, but start off at least be a average run blocking tight end. And I think um, – He's probably going to have to improve, of course, in the run blocking. But I think if we're going to be drafting a tight end, he's going to be that wide. He's going to be that wide tight end, the guy that you put out wide or anything like that. And I think um, that's how a lot of tight ends are coming out in this draft. Is how they're, you know, they're more of a split out type of guy instead of an end line blocker. Yeah, that's that's kind of the way things are going. And you know, the interesting thing with with both Komet and Brian is neither one is necessarily you know, a wide receiver type tight end. I mean, they both have good speed and, and Harrison Bryant has a lot of the same traits as Komet. I think he's a little more athletic. I think, you know, one guy he reminds me of, you talk about NFL comps, you know, I watch the Chicago bears a lot being in this area. And he reminds me of Greg Olson from, from back in the, the mid two thousands when he was with them. I haven't watched Olson as much in his later seasons, but I remember early on watching him in Chicago and I was watching Bryant a little bit on film and he reminded me a lot of Olsen, you know, just a real athletic guy. Isn't going to blow you away with speed, but you know, gets the job done down the seams, you know, is a pretty good route runner. Like you said, athletic guy, he, he was the Mackey award winner. Um, you know, so that goes to show he has a lot of pedigree in that area and, and, you know, to win that kind of award is special. So Harrison Bryant could be a value version of, of Polkamet if they don't want to necessarily invest that type of uh, that type of draft capital in the guy Harrison Bryan is a guy that you know seemingly is flying under the radar a little bit for whatever reason. Maybe that changes after the combine, but he he could be a guy that you could see potentially getting in the third round a lot, like they did with Dwayne Allen when he was with Clemson. He kind of slipped a little bit in the draft, and they're able to grab him in the third. And that may be a similar situation with Bryan. He has really good measurables, so I'm interested to see how he looks as well. Yeah, I think it's just all in all interesting just reading about him giving that George Kittle comp, and then, you know, he's a senior bowl guy, so Ballard obviously is probably going to like him. He's got the measurables, of course. I think that's one of the guys I'm very much going to be interested to see. I'm going to – one thing I'll be looking forward to is seeing if how is his route running and – or, yeah, how is his route running. And then you're not necessarily going to see it a whole lot, but the off-target passes. I know he kind of struggled a little bit with the passes weren't, you know, either right at his hands we had to dive down or jump up for it. So I know that will be pretty interesting, so – uh, we'll move on to the offensive line, more specifically the left tackles. And Jake, I know you're a little bit more in depth on the tackles than I am so far, but um, one guy we've seen all over mock drafts, all over the place, top five, middle of the first round, possible second round guy, is Makai Becton out of Louisville. And that's, um, uh, you were showing me his measurables just before we got on, and I had to make sure it was right. And the, the NFL.com is correct, it's gotten 6'7. 370 pounds. He's like, I, I hate to make the comparison, but he looks like Zach Banner with those type of comparisons, with those size. Yeah, and that's a big reason why I put Becton on, you know, our list for guys I want to look at because he reminds me of, you know, that similar type role. I, I talked to you before we came on that, you know, I think that's a lot of reason why he keeps Raven Clark on the roster. He's just really enamored with those, you know, athletes, those big monsters on the offensive line and. You know, Becton fits that mold. I mean, you you said it six six seven three seventy first team all season. Seven, he's got a seven foot wingspan as well. Yep. 
Yeah, I mean, he he fits everything Chris Ballard wants in an offensive. I mean, everybody would want that type of lineman, but Chris Ballard especially, you just talk about guys like Clark, talk about guys like Banner, just he's acquired or or at least kept guys on this roster. A lot of people question, you know, Clark being on this roster, and I just, you know, keep circling back to those measurables. And, you know, when I was when I was uh, looking at guys and I saw Beckton's measurables, I'm like, you know, that, that could be a big reason why, because he just is enamored with these athletic, huge, gigantic offensive linemen, and he definitely fits that mold. You know, he's a really, really strong run blocker. Obviously, barely anyone in college is going to be able to handle a guy that's 370 pounds. Um, you know, but he's, he's obviously do, does a great job in terms of uh, being able to handle strong guys. He just needs a little bit of work against speed rushers. That's nothing new in today's NFL offensive line market. That's, you know, one of the big sticking points, man. And what it's what makes evaluating these guys so hard. You know, when we took Braden Smith, I kind of, you know, cringe because, you know, they, they don't necessarily have a good track record of, of bringing out offensive linemen when they have that spread type of quick release offense. And yeah, he had a lot of accolades, but he played in this spread offense that got rid of the ball quick. And a lot of teams, a lot of teams were kind of enamored with that, you know, with the, with the awards those guys were getting. And, and I thought that Smith was a little bit of a reach and obviously I was wrong. He's done a great job as a right tackle. And, you know, I, I wonder about the same thing with Becton. I, I see just all these players that they say they struggle with speed. They struggle with speed. They, and he, he's one of those guys. So, you know, he would definitely need some work. But like you said, he, he could go anywhere from top five. He may not even be a realistic target for us. Or he could be an option at 34. I mean, I, I'm really not sure where he's going to go. Just based off the off the mocks, it's just going to be one of those that we're going to have to wait till draft night and see. But if, if Cassandro decides to hang it up, he could definitely be a guy that, that they may want to invest in early. And then the other offensive lineman we have on this list, and of course, these guys won't matter really at all if Anthony Costanzo comes back. We have yet to hear any news on that, so um, I, I necessarily wouldn't want the Colts to spend a top two-round pick on an offensive lineman if Anthony Costanzo comes back, but another, the last guy we have on the list is Trey Adams out of Washington, and he's got the size too. He's 6'8", 315 pounds, and he... he he looks like a big man. He is. He's a mauler. He's he's an elite athletic prospect. I mean, there's no other way around it. The reason this guy is not a, a lock pick top 10 is he's had injuries, ACL injuries, some other major injuries, um, you know, and that's what's going to keep him. I mainly put him because I feel like he could be a guy that the Colts maybe gamble on in the third round. He's not going to be a top two pick. I just don't think teams are going to be willing to gamble on a guy that's had this kind of extensive injury history. But if you look at, say, say, say Anthony Cassandro comes back, you could still utilize your third round pick on this guy. Let him sit, you know, maybe recuperate his body. They'll see where his medicals are at. Obviously, you know, they're dealing with medical issues right now. Um, you know, a lot of fans talk about our medical issues. Maybe they don't want to bring any guys with injury histories in. But, you know, if, they, if there was a guy you're going to take a flyer on, it's definitely Trey Adams. You know, if he if the injuries were off the board, he would be a lock fire top 10. I mean, there would just be no question about it. So I'm interested to see how he looks. I'm interested to see how this offseason plays out for him. I mean, at the combine, the biggest thing for him is just how, how are his medicals? You know, how are, how is his long-term uh, medical outlook and all those things? And, you know, if those things check out, maybe that's a guy that the Colts, you know, invest a, a third-round pick in, you know, stash him behind Anthony. Or, you know, if Anthony hangs it up, that's still a good value pick, you know, third round for, for a high-quality caliber starting tackle. And, you know, if, if there's if there's any way you're going to get it, it's probably a guy that's dealt with injury history. And Trey Adams is one of those guys. So he could be a guy that we could grab late and, and get a little bit of value on and has a really high upside. 
So do you think Trey Adams is more of the pass blocker type of left tackle compared to um, compared to uh, Makai Becton? Yeah, more more of a quicker, athletic guy. You know, you look at Anthony Costanzo. Is I mean, Anthony Costanzo is not really you know a real wide. If you ever seen him, he's not like you know a Quentin Nelson type wide guy. He just looks like a, a monster. You know, I think that's kind of what Trey Adams is, just that this athletic specimen and a guy that that could really, you know, you talk about 327 pounds isn't overly huge for a tackle. So, you know, he he kind of fits that more athletic mold and, you know, is going to be able to move, which helps, uh, which would help us out because, you know, they do ask Anthony Costanzo to, to do a lot out in space. And, you know, they run a lot of sweeps to that left side because of Nelson being able to pull and, you know, being a, a zone blocking scheme, they ask their guys to get to the second level. And, you know, that's, again, that's another reason why, why I kind of highlighted Adams here. Cause I feel like he would fit our running scheme well. And he, he would, he's just an interesting prospect to me overall. And I think it'd be very interesting, even if Anthony Costanzo retires, if we were to draft an offensive lineman, I think, you know, they will be put in a, not a great spot, but a good spot because we won't have to send a whole lot of help to their side because we've got Quentin Nelson on that left, on that left guard spot. So he'll be able to chip out. He'll be able to chip a little bit. Of course, we've got Jack Doyle if we need to send him over to the left side. Um, so I think even if Anthony Costanzo retires, uh, the hole at left tackle won't be as massive as what Colts fans think. So uh, we'll move on to the last position that we have. We're going to look at the defensive lineman, more specifically the interior defensive lineman. And uh, the first guy we have on this, on this list is a guy I've been seeing in mock drafts go around the second round or so, early second round, mid-second round. Uh, and I think he'd be a very interesting pick if he was still available at 44 as Julian. I'm going to – I'm probably going to butcher this, so correct me if I'm wrong, but – uh, Julian Okwara from Notre Dame. You nailed it. Perfect. So what do you yeah, look for, Tim? He's uh, he would he would be an interesting fit for us, just mainly because I I think he kind of uh, projects more as an outside linebacker. But you know, I mean, we've seen that guys as in that role can slide over to defensive end, um, even though he may not be and the Alex perfect. Alex drafted a lot of outside linebackers in college and put them on defensive end, like Kamoko Ture and Ben Banigou. Yeah, I mean he he and he fits that kind of profile. I mean, you know, he has he has a really good athletic profile. You know, he's a really fast guy, and even though he's he's quick, he he also has a good amount of power. I mean, he's able to utilize that speed rush and produce power out of it. He he has a really exciting athletic profile. He's just a guy that really hasn't put it all together yet. Um, you know, he's a guy that can tend to react instead of attack. Um, you know, just doesn't seem too sure of himself all the time. Just doesn't seem too polished. And, you know, being in Notre Dame, he, he went through – was in a rotation with a lot of guys. So um, – but, I mean, you have the two the two things that Chris Ballard looks for in a defensive end, burst and bend. He has both of those things in spades. So he could definitely be a guy that if we strike out on an Ngakwe or, you know, even a guy like uh, Vic Beasley, if we strike out on a pass rusher, he could be a guy that, like you said, if they can grab, you know, late, late second, early third, if they're able to do that, I think that that would be a guy that Chris Ballard would target just based on his profile – and, and he's a guy that with some seasoning, you know, we know we have Robert Mathis training all these guys with a little bit of seasoning. He could be like a Kamoko Ture, just a really nice athletic pass rusher for this defense. So another guy we've got on this list, another senior bowl participant. I know you and me were bummed out that he didn't part, he didn't actually play in the game, but what we saw out of him in the drills, uh, Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina, that is a guy I am hoping and praying to the Lord that he is available at 13. I don't know why, but it, 
it just seems like what he did at the Senior Bowl and what he's probably going to do at the NFL Combine, I really think he's probably going to go top 10 now with Derrick Brown. And I am just hoping and praying to the Lord, Lord above that he is somehow available at 13 because he just seems like the, like the perfect three-tech for our defense, even though he still needs a little bit more developing in the, uh, in the run-stuffing department. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's. I mean, he's a rare, a rare specimen at defensive tackle. And you know, I mean, I think, I think I mentioned on on one of our previous podcasts. If you want to find the Quentin Nelson of our defensive line, this is the guy. I mean, a, a great motor, great athletic skills, powerful. I mean, he he shouldn't be able to move for his size. Chris Ballard's going to fall in love with him. I mean, we talk, we joke. I about think he already has fallen in love with him. Let's be real here. We talk about we joke about him trading up number one for Joe Burrow. He might just trade up to number one to ensure he grabs Javon Kinlaw. I just feel like that this guy is easily a realistic target for us to to look at it at pick number thirteen. Even if Jordan loves on the board, I mean, you know, if they're not just in love with with Jordan, uh, I'm gonna have to avoid the puns with this. But if they if they're not just if they're not just completely head over heels with Jordan Love, then they may just say, you know what, we're going to gamble on somebody else like Fromm or Eason or Gordon or some of these other guys. You know, they're close enough that we just can't pass up a guy like Javon Kinlaw. I mean, you know, nobody in the, in the draft is ever a slam dunk. But when if you talk about a guy that has all of the ability to be an all pro defensive tackle, three tech, Chris Ballard says it. The three tech drives this whole thing. And I think that statement is huge in terms of how they're going to value guys like Javon Kinlaw because he can just come in right away and be a dominant force. I mean, he there's not really too many issues with his game. Um, you know, maybe a little more polished in his pass rushing uh, repertoire. But outside of that, the guy's just an athletic freak of nature. And, you know, you talk about that pick number 13. I mean, that's that's the area Aaron Donald was selected in. And I've heard you make those comparisons before. And, you know, I, I honestly think he could be that type of dominant player in this league. So and, it's going to be hard for them to pass him off. And the, the reason why I hate making player comp is because then I, like I, was, like I, like I told you, and I haven't really said it on air, is when, when I saw Javon Kinlaw in the drills at Senior Bowl, I saw a lot of Aaron Donald. Just that quickness, that speed, that get off on the ball, man, where he could just get past the offensive lineman in one and a half seconds. And, that is something a lot like I saw an Aaron Donald coming out and what I see in Aaron Donald right now. And I hate to put that Javon Kinlaw is going to be Aaron Donald's statement out there. But I think when you're looking at the two players, I think I see a lot of similarities. I don't know if Javon Kinlaw will be the Aaron Donald type player where he is like the best defensive lineman in the NFL. But just seeing how he is so quick and athletic off the ball, that is just something that popped right away when I saw his film and, It'll be very interesting to see if he's available at 13 or if he's long gone by the time the Colts are up on the, on the clock. So uh, we'll move on to the last guy on our list, uh, a guy I actually have no clue about. So you're going to have to sell me on this, Jake. Uh, James Lynch from Baylor. Well, there, there, you don't really have to do much selling. I mean, I see this guy kind of like, you know, a J.J. Watt type interior type presence. I mean, if you watch this guy on film, his motor is dynamite. I mean, I don't think this guy gets talked about enough. No matter where I look, no matter what, I do not see James Lynch being talked about nearly enough. He was the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year and as a defensive tackle registered 10.5 sacks and 15.5 tackles for loss. That's as a defensive tackle. I mean, and you watch this guy on tape. He's just he's just absolutely dynamite. I and mean, that's he's the Bowers neck of the woods down there stopped. in the Texas area, the big the Big Ten or Big Twelve in the Texas area. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, a lot of people have him, you know, as a day two pick, but you know, I I think he's going to end up sneaking into the first round. 
you know, at some point, I, I hope he falls to day two because he would just be, you saw about sleeper picks at 34. He could easily be a guy that Ballard targets out of nowhere. And if we select him, man, I'm going to be over the moon because if you watch him on film, he's just, he's just this real never stop, never say quit. Again, he, I'm not, I'm not comparing him physically to Watt, but you talk about JJ Watt is just a guy that never stops. James Lynch you is another guy. As sort of a, a big, a guy I was at a big crush on was Max Crosby last year. And he had a great year for the Raiders. You see him as somewhat like a Max Crosby type of player coming out. Yeah, I mean, you know, just you you trans and and the thing with Lynch is, you know, what the Colts love to do is be able to to use versatility on the defensive line. And James Lynch could be a guy with his profile that you could slide inside and out on early downs. Um, you know, he he's just a really dynamic type player. I think that he's going to be a really really nice sleeper pick. I think Max Crosby's a great comparison. You know, kind of fell under the radar, didn't get drafted probably as high as he should have, and you know, really dominated for Oakland. A lot of people are like, where did this kid come from? I think James Lynch is a guy that in this draft is going to be in that same type of mold. So anyone who's listening that hasn't watched James Lynch on tape, please go watch him because he's a lot of fun, and I think he really fits the type of energy and high profile that that uh, Matt Eberflus wants in his defensive linemen. And we talk about loafs. This guy will probably have approximately negative two loafs on the season as a rookie if we select him. So it's going to be very interesting. I know with it being in prime time, I'm going to be able to watch them all now. And I know you and me will probably be exchanging millions of texts over the next, uh, over that, over that weekend as it comes across, but it, we're still a week away. It kind of upsets me. I wish it was actually tomorrow to be honest, but um, make sure you guys tune, tune or stay tuned for that. It's going to be on the NFL network all four days or five days, however long it is. Um, We'll come back at you guys after that's over and give you guys some some winners, some losers somewhat, some guys that caught our eyes, and then we'll go right into free agency. See free agency is going to be right around the corner to start early March, so um, we look forward to that. Uh, as the Colts are getting ready to start, like we've been saying, all offseason, probably the biggest offseason in Indianapolis Colts history, so uh, make sure you stay tuned for that. Uh, we appreciate you guys coming on the show, and we hope you guys have a good rest of the day.